Hi, it's the creator, host, and author of Evermore Poe, Chris Kosach. As you might know, Evermore Poe, the turbulent youth of Edgar Allan Poe, is based on 10 years of research in the master of the macabre's often untold teenage years. Be sure to stay tuned after this chapter to learn the facts in the case of Mr. Poe. That's right, I'm gonna tell you exactly what was true about today's chapter. In the meantime, let's get started. I give you chapter three in Evermore Poe. The sun was beginning to dip behind the western hills as Eddie and his group of friends disbanded for the day. Eddie walked down the road with Jack Preston until he reached the long, dark corridor of Huxle Canal. See you tomorrow, Eddie said, as he split off in another direction from his friend. Despite his trying to keep up with his peers, Eddie never much liked the bitter taste of alcohol. It was only social for him. Worse yet, he didn't have much of a stomach for it and would find himself out of sorts quicker than most. He was also keenly aware of the fact that his real father, David Poe, had lost everything, including his life, to the drink. To shake off the lasting effects of the liquor, Eddie decided to take the long way home, meandering along the towpath of the murky canal water that ran the length of the city. By day, the area along Huxel Canal was teeming with activity. Laborers, mules, and cargo traversed the canals and the adjacent tow road that mirrored it. All day, each day, everything from bays of cotton and tobacco to hay and tea were pushed and pulled along to market. Eddie had even seen human cargo carried along, but he didn't much like to think of that foul trade that even his foster father, half of the reputable team of Ellis and Allen, had once dealt in. But at this time of the day, when the canals became deserted and the last of the workers were two drinks in at the pubs just a few blocks away, there was no place more peaceful than the canal. A gentle breeze filled the spring air as he listened to the tranquil clink-clank of bell buoys on the James River. The din of white water back of the falls fell into the distance, replaced by the slap of catfish jumping at the evening flies. Above, Eddie spotted early bats darting hither and yon, and lower still, the odd firefly darted in the clearing. Eddie walked along the service road that followed the canal, which in the twilight had become a shimmering black ribbon that snaked along Richmond's wharfs and warehouses. <sighs> he breathed in the fresh air and dreamt of a bright future for himself as a successful rider in an effort to forget the oppressive Allen home. I wish each night could be like this, he thought to himself. Such a perfect evening. The first cry for help was so faint, Eddie thought he imagined it. The second told him it was terrifyingly real. Someone in great distress, as though they were begging for their life. He swung his neck around, but saw nothing. Help! The third cry was painfully clear, but much weaker. Not so much a cry, but a gasp and a whimper. Eddie swung around again, this time spotting the most horrifying sight. A small, bony hand, white as porcelain, reaching out from the murk of the canal. The small fingers clutched at the air before silently plunging beneath the water's dark surface. Eddie squeezed his eyes shut, convinced he was seeing an otherworldly apparition or the lingering effects of the alcohol. The tiny hand arose from the dark water like a phantom, only to disappear a split second later. Without so much as a thought, Eddie ripped off his jacket and shoes and dove into the otherwise still water. 
The shock of cold took him by surprise. Eddie was as good and strong a swimmer as anyone he'd ever known, but the frigid water slowed him down dramatically. The last time he had taken a dip in any part of the James, it had been warmed by an August sun. Moreover, this was a man-made canal, an offshoot where stagnant water retained its wintry temperature. Tiny icicles stabbed him everywhere. It took him a moment to get his bearings straight, but when he did, he broke into broad strokes through the water, kicking with conviction as he went. He came up for air, shaking his head free in an effort to locate the drowning child. A circle of ripples targeted the spot. Eddie swung around, his legs kicking wildly. The canal was deep with no bank to stand on, no handles to grasp. Thank God I can swim, he thought. From the middle of the canal, he broke into a stride towards the rippled target where the hand had just been. The tiny fingers rose again, but this time just the fingertips. By the time they went under, a terrible thought crossed Eddie's mind. If he couldn't get to this poor soul, and soon, it would be too late, and no one would ever believe his outlandish story. With one final hulking breath, Eddie submerged himself entirely under the water. Underneath the surface, he opened his eyes. Using both hands, he made his way through the black water. By a stroke of mad luck, he caught a glimpse of a small hand highlighted in the last remaining spear of light that stabbed the viridian water from above. Eddie reached out and grabbed hold with all his might. Now his body began to betray him as his lungs fought for air. Rejecting his instincts, Eddie dove further into the darkness. Surprisingly, his feet found the sandy bottom of the canal. He planted himself as he heaved the body above his head with all his strength, but it was futile. Almost immediately, the human mass began to sink back down to the bottom. This time, Eddie sprung his whole body forward, using the power of his legs off the canal floor. As he propelled himself to the top, he grabbed a handful of human hair, dragging it in tow up with him. Eddie broke through the water's surface with the small body. <gasps> Gasping for air, he worked on getting what he now confirmed was the body of a small child onto dry land. He spotted a ladder he hadn't seen before, embedded in the canal wall, and towed the lifeless child to the edge heaving the child out of the canal with what remained of his strength. Eddie laid the body on the pea gravel road. He turned the figure over, searching for any sign of life. He gently pulled the matted hair away, revealing a boy he recognized from school, one of the younger students at Clark's Academy. Eddie rolled the child's small frame onto one side. Using his fingers, he opened the boy's mouth and tried to pour the water out of him like a teapot. When that failed, he slapped the child's back again and again, trying in vain to expel the fluid from the boy's lungs. Finally, panic rising in his chest, Eddie stood up and folded the boy over his forearm like a ragdoll, pelting the boy's back again and again as he prayed for any sign of life. And still, there was none.
Evermore Poe is the historical account of a teenaged Edgar Allan Poe. If you'd like to learn more about Eddie's devolution to become the master of the macabre, please don't forget to follow and share this podcast. Evermore Poe was researched, written, produced, and edited by yours truly, journalist Chris Kosach. I began my research more than a decade ago using vetted journalistic methods with corroborated fact-checking from respected sources including the Library of Congress, periodicals obtained from multiple poems museums, notable scholars, and the National Archives, among other collections, strung together in a narrative style. In other words, my story is mostly true. Our music today is from Esther Abrami. It should be noted that some of the characters in Evermore Poe are composites of real people, including servants and slaves who lived in the Allen home at the time of our story. Please note, while Evermore Poe is based on fact, it should not be confused with the historic record. For that, I hope you will go down your own rabbit hole to research one of the most thrilling American authors of all time. Our story continues again next time on Evermore Poe. Until then, I'm Chris Kosach. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Chapter 3 of Evermore Poe by me, Chris Kosach. And now for a look at the facts in the case of Mr. Poe. In this chapter, we learn that Eddie went to Clark's Academy, which in fact he did, one of a number of prep schools that the young Poe would go to. The names of some of the students, Jack, Tom, Ebenezer, they were all actual classmates of Poe, some friends, some just classmates. We'll learn more about them and the importance in Eddie's life in future chapters. As for Eddie saving the life of a child, that, my friends, is absolutely true. We'll meet this character, who was an actual person, in the next chapter. And in future postmortems, you'll learn a little bit more about the massive importance that person played in Edgar Allan Poe's young life. If you liked this show, please don't forget to follow, subscribe, review, and share this podcast. We value our listeners more than anything. Until next time, I'm Chris Kosach. Thanks for listening.